Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. DIY profiles are bonus episodes that tell the stories of how your everyday handler got into the gun dog world. You will hear plenty of examples of what to do as well as what not to do and how they learn from those experiences. These episodes are being put out to tell the honest stories that we as do-it-yourself dog handlers can all relate to. If you think it would be a good fit for a profile episode, please go to gundogityourself.com and complete the form and we may get back to you so that you can share your story. Welcome back to another edition of the GDIY Profile. We have Bill Kepke on the line with us. Bill, how are you doing today? Doing great today, Nick. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So go ahead and tell everybody where you're from and uh, kind of how you got into the gun dog world. Uh, cool. Will do. Uh, I'm Bill Kepke from central Wisconsin, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Uh, super spoiled in access to public land birds people that and then people that know how to uh teach you how to work with a dog on how to find those birds get those birds in the air so yes that, you are Bill. i grew up you yeah, are spoiled. I, 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 when you said wisconsin <laughs> i literally like rolled my eyes i'm like yep another one like, oh, this, grouse country. <laughs> so no but honestly i i when i uh found your guys' podcast and a friend of mine, TJ, who I think Nick knows also tagged me in one of your first posts and it obviously being super spoiled here, it really made me appreciate though what you guys are doing because so much of this information that you're pushing out isn't really found all in one spot. Yeah. It's not, it's not readily available. It's not easy to access for a lot of people. So it's, it's pretty cool to see what you guys are pushing out on your end. Yeah, um, we, anyways, we so, appreciate that. I mean, what we're doing with you right now, it's it's kind of like that's why we wanted to do it is just tell true, relatable stories of, of your average person getting into the gun dog world and, and, you know, just an average person's perspective instead of, you know, pro trainers, which you can learn a lot from. But but we found that just like what we're about to talk about with you, it's that's a normal conversation you have with everybody around the tailgate or, or after a NAVDA training event or just after hunting and having a beer or something. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. 
So for me, uh, born and raised in the outdoors, uh, grew up, which in itself is a huge barrier for a lot of people. So I'm also spoiled and grateful for that. But uh, grew up, my dad, he he grew up running beagles uh, basically all of his life. His his uncle got him into it. So I grew up in that world, surrounded by beagles. My cousin had bear dogs, so also in that regard. So always, always around dogs, love dogs. We did that up just until about high school. And then there was, I think, the, the falling out period a lot of people have. Uh, you know, where we're maybe not as interested. High school happens. College happens. You, you kind of fall out of it. I know my dad was moving away from it. His dogs were getting old and he was making career changes. So that that all kind of came to a head. And I found myself out of out of that world, out of the the, the hunting world, out of the dog world in college, finished up college. And I stumbled upon a book called The Grouse Hunter's Almanac in a bookstore that was closing here in town. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with that book or the author, Mark Parman. No, I haven't heard of that one. Well, I'll add it to the list. So, yeah, definitely. So Mark Parman is a uh, local professor here in Wisconsin for the UW system. He's an avid, avid uh, bird dog guy, avid hunter. He's got two books, The Grouse Hunter's Almanac and then Among the Aspen. And the book's, what I love about the books is it's all about stories. So kind of like what you guys are doing, you know, sharing all of these awesome stories from um, people out there in the woods hunting with their dogs, not necessarily professionals in any manner. This is, this is him professor sharing his hunting stories over the seasons with four different dogs. So it's, they're pretty cool books. I, I really recommend them to anyone who loves dogs, loves hunting, loves getting outside. But I, I found this first one in the book and of this bookstore that was closing and it was one of the last few books on the shelf oddly enough i pick it up and it's always been a pipe dream of mine like graduate college i've been leaning more into my the current dog i had was she was aging getting older love that dog to death love going outside with her but she wasn't trained we didn't hunt or anything like that and it was just kind of like this idea like the next dog i get i'm going all into this world and i read this book and that it just lit that fire even more. I got super into it. Uh, he, he runs setters in that book. And so fast forward, my partner and I were looking at what our next dog is. And she, she grew up with a Cocker Spaniel and she wanted a similar type dog, floppy ears, goofy, that whole thing. <laughs> And I'm like, I don't, that's, that's fine. Like the look of the dog doesn't affect me one way or the other. I, I just want something that uh, I can train, I can hunt with, we can go out in the woods with. And so we, she sends me pictures of a Springer Spaniel. I had no idea what a Springer Spaniel was. Uh, <laughs> and no, I, and no idea at this point about pointing and flushing bird dogs. I just thought everything pointed. <laughs> I, I had no no idea there was a difference. Hey, they're and, all bird dogs, right? Like, yeah, sure. Yeah, they're all they're all bird dogs. You know, so it's, there's gun dogs, and then there's it's like there's water dogs, and then there's pointing dogs. That was that was in my head what <laughs> gotcha. existed. Uh, so we get we get the dog up until this point. I'm reading uh, all the the Walters books, Richard Walters books oh, yeah. about. Uh, Pointing dogs, and I, I still think those are great dog or great books. I utilized quite a bit of the training even after I found out 
that there's a difference between flushing and pointing dogs. Uh, <laughs> but get get the dog, do that whole thing, find out, you know, oh, there's flushing dogs and I have a flushing dog. And up until this point, I had been doing nothing but pointing dog research, talking to people that I knew that had pointing dogs, that kind of thing. So it was kind of like a 180. I love these little get hiccups the, early on. Like there's always something <laughs> with these, you know, I just imagine you out in the yard trying to get this dog to point and then telling someone like, yeah, it's, oh, I got this dude. bird dog. It won't point. <laughs> well, what kind is it? it, it Springer. Was, <laughs> it was brutal. It was super. Yeah. I was doing the, you know, the, the, they, they, the a lot of places will, they, you know, feather on a string or get him in front of a bird, make him lock up. And I'm like, my <laughs> dog is not doing that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he, he pauses long enough to like lock eyes on it and then go in, go all in full send. So turns out he's like, doing what I he's supposed gotta, to do, huh? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then I find out, I'm like, Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm the one that's ruining it right now. I'm the one <laughs> getting in his way. So how long were you into so, training this dog before you figured out as a flushing dog? Uh, within months. So, I mean, he was still a puppy. Like we weren't doing anything. We weren't doing anything serious. I was still, so my, my last dog, cancer, all that kind of craziness. Like it was a quick turnaround and we found ourselves with the puppy and I had, so I had just gotten into reading the books. So it wasn't like six months or a year into our training. It was, he was, he was still super young and you know, they're, they're malleable at that point. So you can, as long as you're not mean or locking them in a cage and not giving them any kind of, uh, stimulus, they're, they're pretty resilient. Sure. But, uh, yeah, no. And then I found, um, uh, trying to remember the order. A friend of mine just happened to mention that someone he knew, a friend of his trains field spaniels, which is another whole thing in itself. So bench and field spaniels. And I'm curtain after curtain is being opened to my eyes of how, how crazy we, we as people get <laughs> about, <laughs> yeah. uh, clarifying specifications for dog type of dog, what it does, stereotypes for dogs, all that kind of crazy stuff. But no, I went and, uh, talked with him, met with him and he set me on like, um, Todd Agnew, another local. So Spaniel training by Todd Agnew. If anyone's yeah. got a Springer or a Cocker, definitely check out his, his stuff. That guy's he's next level. Yeah, um, he he puts out a so lot of that, good information. I'm actually on his little email newsletter, and some of the stuff that he sends out is pretty interesting. Oh yeah, his 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 philosophy on it's pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, so his his stuff. There's another. I don't have it near me. Local local guy. And that kind of brings us back to what you're talking about with Navda chapters or dog chapters in general. Um, he put out a book because it was kind of the same thing. Uh, Todd's got his in but a lot of it's super high level, right? So there's not a lot of access to, Hey, what do you, what, what should you be doing? You know, at three months old with your dog or, um, no one's really out there saying it's so, it's so individual. It's so like, what is your dog doing? What, what, what are they showing that should dictate your training? Uh, so yeah, spaniel training was out there. This, the local, the local book I got, Training Spaniels by Joe Irving, which is a, an older book I picked up. And what's crazy about him is he uses rabbits to train Spaniels to hunt birds. And he's got some pretty, pretty crazy reasons why, but that was, that was an interesting read. 
I'd imagine that it like invokes their their instinct to chase, which is, you know, I don't know much of anything about flushers, but I guess you capitalize on that instinct to chase and and make the game run or fly away. That part of it, yeah, it's, my way off. It's it that's that's kind of that's kind of part of it. But I think another reason too is where he's located. I don't think they have a ton of uh, access to birds, so I think he was just doing what he could because use, it sounds like there's rabbits what's everywhere where to he lives. Yeah, use, yeah, exactly. Use what's available. So, what, so really, it sounds like you got into the gun dog world. You, you know, you, you're picturing a pointer, and then come to find out you have a, a springer, and so you kind of had to rewind and download a bunch of information to make it work with what you had and go the flushing dog route instead of the pointing dog route and you did all this research and everything so so really what how did you turn around the training and go from doing that you know wing on a string and what's the next step that you actually started doing on the training portion to to get your dog ready to hunt grouse yeah a great question i should also preface this with so my my day job or like what I do for a living. I'm a strength and conditioning coach and a certified athletic trainer. So I work in orthopedics. I work in strength and conditioning and fitness, that kind of thing. So I work with a wide spectrum of patients and clients. So I'm always kind of having to like jump around and use, you know, every, every half hour, every hour, depending on how, how soon my, I see my patients, I'm, I have to use a completely different set of skills to kind of treat the person in front of me. And that, that, that has kind of just bled over in all aspects of my life, I guess, growing up with ADD and all that kind of stuff. So it, for me, it was like, oh, okay, cool. Not a, not a big deal, right? I can, I can just take make an adjustment. other stuff that I've been reading. Yeah, exactly. I can adjust it. And honestly, like the Springer stuff fit me more when I was finding, or I should say the flushing info. So oddly enough, Richard Walters has the, the book Gundog, which is about flushing and retrieving. So that helped. And then the local, the local uh, spaniel books. Obviously, you read all that, and if I know, there's a lot of you know. I talk to people all over, and everyone's got their method, their philosophy. And I think oh, what what always brings people together, though, is understanding your dog, spending time with your dog, building that relationship. I know that was huge for my dad. He would have six to eight beagles, and I don't know how he controlled them that like that many beagles. Uh, and all he used were uh, vocal commands and whistles. He didn't have, you know, we grew up uh, lower middle class. There's no way he was going to outfit eight dogs with, I don't even know if there, there were e-collars when GPS. I was a kid. There's probably but e-collars, there no, but now the GPS thing is, you know, yeah, he didn't, pretty common. He didn't have any of that. Yeah. Like it was a, it was a leather, a leather collar with a piece of metal with his name and number engraved on it. That's and, it. He, and he went out with eight dogs. And so I, I grew up seeing that, like seeing just the time you spend with the dogs, it goes in the outdoors. And that's kind of the philosophy I've had with my dog. Like most days we go training, he's not wearing anything. It's that's cool. so much about the language, the communication, the, I mean, I, I get all the gadgets. I do. I work sure. in fitness. I understand how we love, we love gadgets. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I just, I love separating myself from that. Uh, I don't know. If, are you so... Once well, again, that's funny. You mentioned the, the gadgets and related to fitness, because I think those are two areas where we see a lot of, uh, gimmicks, you know, one of them's with health and yep. wellness, like 
you know, eat this pill and you'll look like this. Well, that's not the way it works. Uh, and then yep. it's the same with dogs. Yep. Like there's a huge industry for, you know, you need to brush your dog's teeth. Uh, like, no, I don't think so. I just give my dog a bone every once in a while. So, so those electrodes <laughs> so, that I have put on my stomach when I'm eating pizza is not going to get me a six pack? <laughs> nope. That's not how it works, Nick. Crap. I, I don't think. I don't have a six pack, so I don't know. But. <laughs> Yeah, you might want to bring those back. I, I don't know, but that's you know that's just me, and I I don't when I when I talk to people and you know they right away there's they're like, hey, your dog doesn't you know like yeah no he just he wears a he wears a, a bright orange vest and if if we're in super heavy cover he wears a bell on his collar, but um, other than that, I mean it's going back to being super spoiled in Wisconsin. We have a uh, professor at the Madison University of Wisconsin Madison she's a uh, uh, I forget what she's got like crazy letters next to her name right she's super smart <laughs> yeah. super smart super Alphabet smart lady yeah. way way smarter than I am and she's a she's a animal applied animal behaviorist nice and she's got a whole list of books written about dogs and canines she she breaks down primate behavior research and canine behavior research so everything from humans to apes to wolves to dogs like this lady is just like a walking wikipedia for all this stuff and she has these books written and i find these books and you read this stuff and you're like man i really messed up a lot just like the way you the way we present ourselves the way we talk to our dogs the way we a uh, big thing i do that currently is I'll video myself working with the dog. And then I go back and look at all of the nonverbal because so much of what she does, she works with aggressive dogs. Yeah. So super aggressive, like violent dogs. And she breaks down their habits, behaviors, movements, and then how we interact with that. And so you go back and you, you, you watch your, you know, training with your dog and how are you standing? You, you want your dog to stay, but you're leaning away from it or you're, you're, you're pitched away from it. Or the big one I always see is people who struggle with recall with their dog. Like that's a huge one, especially, especially around here. Like people think they should have their dog off leash and on public trails. Yep. And I love, you know, I love, I love watching a dog work off leash. It's one of my favorite things ever, but when they're, they're yelling for their dog to come back. Right. But they're walking towards their dog and then they, they can't, they can't for the, for the life of them figure out why their dog is running away. It's like, well, you're walking towards it. So why is, you know, in the dog's mind, a you're chasing it, and b you're you're also going towards what it wants to run to. Yeah, so you're you're screaming like, oh, hey, at the yeah. dog with your voice to come back, but your <laughs> your body is telling the dog to keep going away. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's there's little things like that she breaks down. Well, it sounds like it it's worked out really well for you to accidentally get into the flushing world. Um, I guess you really just wanted a a bird dog. And you thought yeah. it was going to be a pointer and now it's a flusher, but it, it sounds like the, the flushing thing has worked out in your advantage. What are some of the specific things? Cause I don't know much about flushers. So what's like the first thing you want to teach a flusher? Hmm. And so just I'm going to preface this for everyone listening. I've only, I've only taught Django or worked with Django. So for whatever I say, everyone listening, don't be like, oh, my God, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about because I don't. Oh, that's what everyone <laughs> thinks about I'm us, talking, too. Yeah. I mean, we, it's every week with us. Perfect. Yeah, it's every week. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I, yeah, I know how people, you know, I, I post stuff off my podcast or my platforms and everyone 
you know, comes at me, I'm like, there's all kinds of ways to do things. But for, for what worked for Django and I was the, the biggest thing is that early introduction to getting outside and focusing back and forth. So him understanding his name, him understanding that when I say his name, it means focus on me. So for us that I didn't use a click or anything, it could be kibble. It could be, it was dried venison liver. It was, he's obsessed with, uh, chuck it balls ever since he was like a puppy. So that, you know, look at me, get a reward, look at me, get a reward. And that was, that was the beginning of everything. Like get his attention, run away. So he chases me at no point. Have I ever played chase with him, tug of war, anything like that? Because, you know, as we all know that I'm not saying a dog can't do ever do that, a gun dog, but just for me as the person that's going to hunt with him, I don't ever want our relationship be confused with those kind of things. Like I let him do that stuff with other people, but, and he knows the difference. Like when he and I are together, it's, focus on me because with a flusher, right? If he's flushing something at 50 or 60 yards, that doesn't do us any good. I mean, right. he feels good because he's still doing what he wants to do. He's got to work. Not, with, he's got to work with you a lot more than pointers who, you know, will, will find it and hold and wait for you. You have to have the flushers working with you within gun range the whole time. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So early on it was, it was that, like I, I saw that from all the literature. It was like, how do I, how do I make it so this dog and I are on the same page with him focusing on me? So that, that was a big part of it. And however you get that done, clicker, treats, reward, praise. Um, I, like I was saying earlier, I didn't, was never big on gadgets. So I was, I think I tried to, use, you guys posted about check cords and it brought up a bunch of terrible memories of me, like tripping over it, getting tangled <laughs> and getting tangled because yeah, <laughs> for, for a flushing dog, you know, for him to actually quarter and work our check cord was, I don't know, 50 feet, like some ridiculously long cord. And I remember trying that for like a week and just like, nah, it really just got, we're we're not going to go that route. And I, I'm just with what I do for work and how much I love getting outside. And I'm, I'm very much like resist the world of tech. So I, there's no collars. There's no e-collars. I want to, I'm thinking about getting a GPS just cause I'm curious to see how far he runs yeah, on an yeah. average outing. Yep. But, uh, other than that, it was just, especially going off the behaviorist books was how do I, how do I bridge this gap, find out what he, what he enjoys and then use that to build that relationship where he always focuses on me. So, it, you know, I mean, and apparently it worked cause the, the range thing is never an issue now. Um, so it's, I'm not, I shouldn't say never, obviously, but there's always certain situations, but I'm, yeah. So, I don't know, so I did, just did you mess with, yeah. Did you mess with any place boards or, or casting off place boards, whether it's left or right or, or whatever? Did you, oh. did you mess with any, any of that? So once, yeah, that was, that was all way further down. Uh, yeah. In the beginning, like I said, focus is key, right? If he's not, if he's not looking at you for direction or looking at you to check in, he's, he's going to just continue to hunt for himself. Uh, so he, it, it's building that relationship early on where it's just part of, it's like him breathing, right? It's like sniff, 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 breathe, breathe, breathe. And then always be, always be looking back. Or if I call him, he knows to look back. Um, and then building that confidence. I see 
quite a few dogs we we hunted with last season you know they're they they get confused or they get tired or they get something happens and then they want to go right back to walking at heel or walking on the trail and so for for me with him it was at an early age just slowly easing in from yards yield woods thicker woods so he's he's at home everywhere but always coming back to those basics of focus right like how do i get his attention how do i get him to check in building that confidence and then from there we took it to wind work so for the flusher it's all about quartering so you know as me as the hunters that kind of like the i don't know what you want to call it the i'm i'm the the aiming stick for where he quarters i have to be super aware of the wind so that once once i knew you know he was he was focusing he was he was staying close then we could start working the wind and that would be starting to do bird introductions starting to do stuff i know he liked having it stashed out in a field and we would work the wind and when i say work the wind i have to we we walk it together so i get him to focus on me and then i would run to the right then we run to the left run to the right run to the left we do these zigzag patterns through the field and along the way he's finding all this stuff out there that you know he didn't know was out there that i stashed <laughs> and he loves it right he loves it every time he lo- he grabs it plays with it having a great time uh and, you know i keep it fun if he brings it back to me cool if he runs off with it cool i just go the other way and yep. he's not he's he's gonna bring it back like yeah. that, it's just simple stuff like that and then we we build from there where we make it a little harder to find things or when we do the turn i add in the whistle blast so that nice. i blow the whistle we run the other direction blow the whistle run the other direction and then you just slowly start, you know, I walk in a straight line and with the whistle too, you could add in arm directions, arm sick, hand signals, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And then you just keep building that, keep building that and keeping them close, keeping the focus close. And then by doing that and the confidence, you know, doing this in the woods, doing this randomly all over, we'd be doing, I would, you know, do it wherever. If he came with me to the gym, We'd go do it out in the field. If we were camping somewhere, we'd find a secluded spot and go do it there. But building all of those different examples of it, not doing it in the same place over and over again, uh, is, is, is huge for the dog, right? And then he knows, like, oh, this is what we do when we go out. I run the, he's like, I zigzag. And now I just, I walk down the middle. Like, I, it's in the beginning, I got a semi decent workout training with him. And now all I do is. <laughs> Walk, walk, walk down the middle, you know, take my gun for a walk, blow the whistle every once in a while. But, uh, yeah, he's, it, it's fun to watch it click for him. And now he, now it's, and the wind was huge in the beginning. Like you want to make sure the dog is set up for success, right? I see, mm-hmm. I've gone out and done people and they're, they're, they're watching me like launch the, the dummy way the heck over here with the launcher. And they're like, Oh, I want to do that with my dog. And, you know, their dog's never gone for a retrieve at further than 30 yards in their backyard. It's like, how do you expect a dog to go find that 80 yards away? Yeah. Like the dog is three feet off the ground. They don't see the world like you do. Yep. They've never, they've never gone that far. And we expect our dogs to just like see what we see, understand what's going on. Like once that, once that launch, you know, the dummy's gone, they're like, well, I don't know what happened. Um, <laughs> or, or understanding words too. Right. Um, the big for us it for me in the beginning i don't know about you guys but 
you just say a bunch of things to your dog because you're like, oh, it'll understand my language, right? You know, you'll <laughs> speak in a you'll speak in a broken sentence or say a couple a bunch of words and just hands, and then you stop and you're like, dog doesn't care about any of that. Yeah, it's it it. It has this set of instincts, and at this point, you know, he's focusing on me. He's confident. He's building his nose. That's another thing I can get into. And now, like, we, we're at a – and I see this with a lot of people because I was there. I'm still there in some regards. We, we start to panic, right, because we're, we're uncertain. So as, as, as people, as apes, you know, we, we start talking more. We start gesturing because that's what we would do back and forth if we were trying to explain ourselves to another person. Whereas when with the dog, it's like, keep it simple, one word, and then go from there. Uh, and that's, and that was the big thing. When I, when I started realizing that, like watching videos of myself and why are you saying all these words? <laughs> like, I mean, dogs are super smart. They, they can understand things, but they don't understand you know, English word. though. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So and then your body language is so much of it. Absolutely. And, and so really it sounds like, you know, once you, you nailed down exactly what the dog was supposed to hunt like and do in the field. You, you really took a step back, broke it down into training. You, you focused on building up that level of cooperation and teamwork. And then you worked on casting and, and quartering the way that you need to hunt. And then it, it really sounds like after that, you said you eventually got into some place board work, but, but it, ultimately it sounds like you just went into the woods and, and probably let the birds teach the dog and, and the dogs has gotten better over time. Is that right? Yeah, uh, that's. Um, I know you guys are gonna hate me for bringing it up again, but I mean, there's it's a there's a short window of time in Wisconsin, which we're in right now, from May until uh, August first, or middle of May, really. So I don't know what that is, ten weeks where you can't run dogs on public land, and so the rest because of you know nesting birds and i mean I, i'm totally for it like dogs i think it should be probably a little longer in the beginning because there are, there's a lot of birds that nest early i hate to see them get disturbed sure obviously as a hunter who wants to take advantage of that in the fall but uh yeah i mean year round from you know his first quote-unquote first hunting season he was only four months old so it was us getting out where i knew there were birds where i knew the cover wasn't too crazy going you know going back to confidence going back to him him finding himself, figuring out how to use his nose. Like you don't want to bring him somewhere where he's got to do like crazy terrain quartering through like the nastiest cover. Um, you bring him somewhere where you know there's birds, the train's not going to beat him up too badly. And yeah. he's in kindergarten. He gets, he don't take him to fun. high school yet. Yeah. Yeah. So that he was four months old, his first season going into his first season. I think I brought a 410 shotgun with, and if we got, if he got a solid flush on a bird, um, and we had done work in the field, you know, shoot 50 yards away from him or whatever and ease up. Uh, but he did all that stuff and then take him out in the woods. And if he got a solid flush where, you know, he, you could see him start to get birdie. You knew he knew what was going on. Then I would shoot. If at all questionable, I wouldn't shoot. Just, nice. I didn't want him to, I, I was just, I, I had a friend went through a terrible experience with a dog that became gun shy. And I was, um, really really like that was always that paranoia was in the back of my mind so i took it super cautious with him it was just him and i uh that first year getting him out crazy i didn't want anybody else getting like itchy trigger finger or 
pushing him or doing anything like that. So that was the fall. Grouse woodcock. Following spring, uh, same thing. When the birds are migrating back, the snow is gone. We're 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 fortunate to have one of the last remaining areas of prairie chickens in the state. And I wish I wish more groups would fight to see those things come back because they're they're super cool birds. Um, that first winter, we'd take them out and run on those. I don't know if you guys have ever seen prairie chickens, but they pack up in these crazy flocks in the winter. So especially with a flushing dog, it's fun because you're, you're right in on the action. So he'll be going, 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 going. He'll be working these hills and he'll just put up like 60 birds and they all, (laughs) they'll all fly up in the air and then circle and then come back around. Uh, we can't, we can't hunt them. They're super, super threatened in the state, but, uh, there's, there's a small group of people that'll go run on them. Yeah. You just, you know, you're respectful. You don't like, I don't ever go to the same area twice in a, in an off season. Just, Birds don't need a ton of pressure. I just utilize them because they're, they're awesome animals and good for the dogs. But yeah, it was just, it was wild birds. And you come back to all the, the, the fancy book work, the field trial stuff. Like I should also preface, I don't do field trials or anything like that. I just enjoy, I enjoy the training part of it. I enjoy having a gun dog and you just like you said, the, let the wild, let the wild birds uh, unleash the dog's instincts. Absolutely. So, so where are you at right now with him? Is are, is he pretty much a reliable hunting dog for you now? I mean, it, you know, what, what's this upcoming season? Like what, what's your goals for him this year? Good question. Uh, so <laughs> last season he would have been a little over a year, year and whatever, how many months, year and a half, something like that. And it was, we went into grouse season you know, like we're, we've been talking about, we do all the, as much as we can beforehand, but it was let the wild birds kind of show him the ropes, let him figure it out, give him, be patient. Don't go blasting through an area until he's had time to cover it. Let him kind of take what we've been working on and bring it there. We had a, we had a great first season. I, we started it off really strong on grouse. And then my, uh, I'm using my dad's old side-by-side. One of the uh, firing pins chipped. So it was only a, it was then a single shot. I started getting the yips like, like crazy after the first couple of weeks. So I couldn't <laughs> hit anything with my, with my, my now single barrel. And then I switched to a pump and it's an old 870, which is just ungodly heavy. So that had its own list and it's really long barrel. So only it's whole, yeah, whole different set of problems in the grouse woods. But uh, no, we started off strong. The second grouse he put up last year, I was able to take down, which was pretty cool. Nice. And then we figured out woodcock. We got on pheasants. We did a bit of duck hunting. We're going to do more of that. I'm rebuilding a 1935 um, wood duck boat right now. So that'll nice. be fun to cruise the river, do some yeah. puddle shooting. So all Man, that you you really know, last are year was all about technology. Exposure. The wood boat. Oh, yeah, <laughs> going man. for the wood boat. And I, are, you, are you okay it's with gas have motors? Motor on it. Electric, electric motor? It, no, it's gonna have a it's gonna have electric motor on it. Don't worry. Gotcha. Yeah, man. I I'm don't going, know if you want to use full tech in that regard. I don't know if you want to use that technology. Well, Maybe you should just use an oar. Well, <laughs> right. Well, there's there's gonna be there's gonna be oars on it for sure. There's already nice. two oars, but That's this cool. thing is just ridiculously heavy. Uh, I bet. Going back to tech, I'm I've got met with an old timer here locally on how to make wood duck decoys. Cause I, I figured if uh, I use my plastic decoys in that boat, like the river gods will strike me down or something <laughs> as I go out into the water with it. 
Oh, but man. anyway, so that makes all that, sense. you know, year one. Yeah, right. It does. All about exposure. This year, uh, season, we've been just cleaning some things up. I don't know if you'll ever be big thing in the flushing world is steady to flush, steady to shot, as I know it is in um, pointing dog world. I don't know if he'll ever be entirely steady to flush. Just he's he gets so birdie because he, he his big thing is he flushes hard, tries to catch it, and then I'll I'll call him off after he's gone a a little bit after it. But for well, me, I'm, I just I would imagine that it's maybe harder to teach a flushing dog to be steady to flush because you're you're asking him to go literally chase after the bird, stop chasing it. Uh, where with a pointing dog, at least they've already stopped, you know? Yeah. So it's probably harder to teach a flusher to be steady to flush. Yeah. So there's that. And the, the only reason it gets really pushed, I think a lot, there's obviously the safety standpoint. So if you're, if you're someone that guides with your dog or you hunt with a lot of different people, you obviously don't want your dog jumping up in the air after a bird when someone yeah. else is shooting. Cause there's always that there's that risk. Uh, so I completely understand that, but also the field trial world. Uh, the dog has to be steady to flush. But I, to me, that's Todd Agnew from Spaniel Training. He's always big on, like, know what you want with your dog. Don't go off of what you see everywhere else. Yep. And for me, as long as I can pull him off a bird for his safety, so be it he's he's going to run out into traffic or he's going, like, we're in a a sketchy situation. That's the only reason we practice it is just so – I can pull him out of that moment in case it's um, not good for his safety. Or if we're, if we're duck hunting and or goose hunting and somebody's still shooting and he thinks he, you know, he's going to break and go make the retrieve. So that's the only reason we work on it is just so I can, I, I know that I can pull him out of that moment and keep him safe. I no that, that makes but, sense. And I mean, well, Bill, I mean, right now it's it's kind of like, wow, this is your first dog. You've read enough books about this to where you have a, a good firm idea of where you're headed and where you want to go with this dog. And, and it sounds like your interest is kind of all over the map with, with duck hunting out of your, your wood boat and wood decoys to not piss off the <laughs> the, the river gods and, you know, grouse and prairie <laughs> chickens and, and all that stuff. Sounds like you're all over the place. You've and got it, the bug really bad. <laughs> it's awesome <laughs> so you know again we, we appreciate you coming on today and sharing it because we don't have that that much opportunity to talk to too many flusher guys but uh you know with, with your your fitness and and just your lifestyle in general you you mentioned earlier that you have a podcast you want to talk about that and where people can find you and and check out your your uh what you're recording and what you have going on on your end oh yeah sure thing yeah thanks for having me on here sorry i I ramble, like you guys were saying, I got, I've got the bug bad and for work in the podcast, I'm typically talking about, uh, health, fitness, wellness, outdoor rec, local food. So occasionally I get to talk about, uh, hunting and, but not as much as I'd like. So appreciate you guys having me on, yeah. uh, the team early AF, not going to curse, uh, for Adam, <laughs> but, uh, team early, team early and fun podcast for all the kids listening. Nice. Uh, <laughs> iTunes, Spotify. Google Play, YouTube. Uh, right now, we've been doing a COVID-specific uh, series for Stevens Point, talking to business owners, parents, uh, professors at the university, professionals in health, uh, public health, just about kind of what's what's all going on because we've been locked down in Wisconsin up until this last week. So 
things have been crazy, but it, yeah, it's, it's centered around how, how outdoor, outdoor recreation, local food, hunting, that kind of thing plays into health and wellness. We'll be launching a series this summer with Wisconsin backcountry, backcountry hunters and anglers uh, with the hike to hunt uh, challenge they do every summer. So we're looking to make that a bigger thing here in Wisconsin and get some more information out to people about public land, public land access, how it's there, why it's there, what you can do to keep it in perpetuity. So kind of like what you guys are doing with uh, all the gun dog work, you know, you, you brought the, the deer, deer uh, hound guys on, which was super ballsy and I loved it. That's obviously <laughs> one that gets <laughs> yep. uh, a lot of hate. I mean, even, even Steven's point, super outdoor related, a lot of people, you know, bear hunting hounds in general are super sure. questionable. Yep. Um, so that's always a, it's always a fun conversation to have with people. Absolutely. For but, sure, man. Well, yeah, I, I look forward to listening to your podcast and kind of creeping on you a little bit, man. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that, man. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I, I wanted to make one plug for, so once again, just dropping how, how fortunate I am. But, uh, my friend, Dr. Christina Mott, she owns County Country Vet Clinic in Washera, Wisconsin, uh, or uh, Watoma, Washera County. It, she is a gift from the heavens for the sporting dog, working dog, hunting dog community. Uh, so this last winter, Django had a had a hip injury, and even though my my job's in orthopedics, I don't eval a lot of canines, so I wasn't I wasn't even sure what was going on. So bring bring him to her, and I mean I love my local vet a ton, but most most of the treatments or anything orthopedic, as I'm sure you both know, rest maybe some ice, you know, anti-inflammatories, but she can get in there, diagnose it, give you an actionable plan of treatment. So you're, you know, just like an athlete, right? That's what our dogs are. You know, yep. they're, they're super, super fit. We, we, I, I don't even want to think about the time invested into him, what that's worth. If we were to put a dollar amount on it, you know, what that means for the fall when we want to go hunting. So yeah, having someone like that locally, I don't know, listeners, wherever you are, find that local vet that is just as passionate about uh, sporting dogs, active dogs as we are, because that, that's been huge. Like being able to um, call her, set up appointments, lacerated paws, you know, any, any kind of injury you can think of, she's seen it. She knows how to set you up for success. I mean, every time I've gone there, there's people there driving from two, three hours away to bring their dog to her and she's she's doing awesome things at her vet clinic she's uh opening up a animal shelter which is super awesome right like she's super passionate about helping all the all the in need animals she's got a animal fitness facility she's working on and then they also uh have a kennel for tollers so they i don't know if you guys have ever seen yep. a toller retriever oh yeah they're like the cutest pu puppies in the world <laughs> and super cool retrievers but yeah, man, I, I had to give her a plug. Yeah. So anyone, and it's just a great resource for, I know your listeners are all as nerdy as I am about gun dogs. So <laughs> she, she's amazing for, uh, yeah. Anything you got going on with your dog? Well, that that's some good advice. And, and Bill, to be honest, I think you're the first, uh, profile episode that's come on and kind of given everybody a bunch of homework from stuff to read, go listen to your, <laughs> go listen to your podcast and learn how, you know, health and fitness and just general 
lifestyle and now, you know, go find a, a vet that will work with you and your goals and, and your specific type of dog. It's all good information. And, uh, yeah, go check out Bill's podcast, Team, Team Early AF. And, uh, yeah, check them out. And, Bill, we, we appreciate you coming on again. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Hope it helps. And uh, keep doing what you guys are doing. It's been fun. It's been fun to watch and listen and learn. Absolutely. We appreciate it. And we'll check back next week. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog Yourself. If you really enjoy this podcast and would like to contribute even more to future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash gundog yourself thanks again and happy hunting everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs b pro kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the usa from high grade lightweight aluminum they'll get you set up with the size dimensions lighting storage battery boxes with solar charging and anything else you can dream of stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just have to replace it again and year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.